Hello, everybody. Welcome to the JumpNet, the official Paramarine uh, podcast. I'm joined here today by J. Pearson, my co-host. Hi. And M. Ryan, who is our guest today, who we shall be interviewing about all things Paramarine Task Force. Yeet. All right. So, Ryan, let's get this started. So, what's your uh, what's your backstory in the PTF here? Well, where should I start? I'm going to start in the old days, back when it first started, the old PTF, the old, the first one. Um, I wasn't on, yeah, the one 2016. I wasn't on the ground floor of it, but I came in about a month or so after it started. <clears throat> they were kind of working it up, getting it going. So I joined in. And before this, just to, to backstory why I got into Millisim, I had played a little bit of Arma 2 um, Operation Arrowhead. And I tried to do a Millisim back then. But I guess I was so bad at gaming, I couldn't find anybody to shoot at during the operations, so I just stood around and got shot at. So it wasn't that fun. But I came back to Armor 3 and decided to join a Millisim, and the, the Paramarine Task Force was the first one that showed up that looked like I could really get into it and enjoy it. And I really did. I mean, I rose to the ranks. I learned, met a whole bunch of guys, guys that um, most of them really aren't here today anymore. One, they were for, A few of them for, for a while, unfortunately. Um, Gamble was here for a while. Great guy. Um, Doyle, he didn't come back this time. Wills, he didn't come back this time. Hawkins, obviously, he's the great and holy founder of the unit. Um, he was there. Um, Wade came along when I was the first gunny. Um, don't remember him too much. Those days, I was really getting into college and stuff like that. And um, I had a girlfriend at the time. So 2017 PTF, I was kind of backing off. You know, it got really complicated. But um, I knew Wade was there. And I remember him when I came back. So on to this iteration, um, you know. I joined up. Um, I think Hawkins sent me a message um, two years ago, about twenty, um, about early twenty twenty two. I think it was, or no, late twenty twenty, or no, late twenty twenty. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> it was it was last right. January, last January, last January, or no, yeah, last late last December. That's what it was. Late last no, yeah, the December before. Okay, so, uh, shush. I know what I, December twenty nineteen. December yes, oh, December twenty. No, yeah. no, not that. Was it that one? Uh, yeah. No, it would have been December 2020. Yeah, mind. December 2020. That He got me into a Discord with a bunch of the guys who were nostalgic about it. And I'm one of the few guys, or one of the guys that was there, that really pushed Hawkins' delivery started. He was on the edge, kind of tiptoeing back and forth, like, oh, I don't know if I should. Don't know if you guys are going to come back yet. I got all this going on. I'm like, dude, bring it back. People are going to love coming back. Big nostalgia hit. Everybody's going to come back and love it. So we pushed it and pushed it and pushed it. And eventually we did a little pre-PTF mini-op with a bunch of the guys who were there and active. And it was, it was a blast. Yeah, McAllister was there. Wade was there. A bunch of the guys were there. It went off. It was fantastic. We played on Malden 2035. It was fantastic. Had a great time. We just started the unit back up. And I was one of the main guys on the ground floor. I was really active, so I got one of the first squad leader spots. And it just went up from there. We've had a great time this entire past um, about year and a half or so. Right. And, uh, Ryan, I just want to remind you what your first mess, uh, messages were when you joined the server. Um, it was December 4th, 2020. Why are you stalking me like that? Um, you said, it's your boy, Skinny Penis. Ah, is, is this yes, true? a classic, a classic. Um, let, me, <laughs> let me double check. The extensive amount of alcohol that I've consumed in the past a year, um, I cannot tell you for sure. Let me look that up really quick. <laughs> but um, I wouldn't doubt it. Let me see here. Join. Yep, it's your boy. The next message was skinny penis. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're right. Can confirm. So, Ryan, what is your job in the PTF? Uh, what do you do currently? Well, I, I have a few jobs right now. Currently, is my main my main thing right now is I'm a fire team leader with Phillips in two one. 
we had planned on opening 2-2 as him being the squad leader, me being the ASL. But we went and talked to Cook and took Cook talked to us. And with um whoever, I, I feel bad for forgetting his name. He was a great guy. He um, had to go back to, I think it was work. His work schedule changed. So we agreed to close 2-2 down and go to 2-1 and help them you know keep up and grow again and then find somebody in the squad to take over. Or when the other guy came back, he would take back over. So right now I'm an FTL. Phillips is running the squad. I also am the NCOIC of S7, the train, um, training section. So I oversee all the trainings, make sure they're going pretty well, make sure people are getting their trainings in. And I am the one of the head people who helps write and you know distribute trainings. And on top of that, almost forgot to mention. Um, hold on. Enjoying my bourbon. I also um, technically the team chief of the PSOs, so it's an unofficial position that we said a long time ago when me and Wade first set it up. Uh, but um, can, can you I'm, say what the PSOs are real quick? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Once I finish, yeah, I will. Um, but it's pretty much an unofficial leadership position. It, it's a touch and go. But yeah, the PSOs, the Paramarine Special Operators, um, me and Wade set that up. He had the first platoon sergeant of the unit. Where they were talking about They had a little thing set up for it. And once he left, he had to go somewhere and do something. Wade brought me up and said, here, I got this idea for something. Look at it. Do what you can with it. So me and Wade worked together and got the first PSO set up, got the whole doctrine written out, all that kind of stuff. So now what PSOs are, they are the, think Force Recon almost, but not. It's a very complex mix of Marine Raiders and the Paramarines, and it has a specific role in the unit to where it was first made to gather reconnaissance prior to the operation, prior to unit planning. So where we'd be deployed to a certain area based on what Wade or what S3 said, we would go out, reconnaissance, whatever they want us to reconnaissance, come back with the intelligence, and help fill in and brief the um, leadership for the operation to be able to set up the Warno and the op board for the coming operation on Sunday. These would take place on Friday. So Friday would have it a day or the same day or the day or two afterwards. They would plan with our intelligence, and the operation on Sunday would happen. All right. So, uh, Ryan. Let's uh, let's move into our next question here, and I think I think that this is the part that everyone's going to enjoy the most of the show here. Uh, do you have any interesting stories about your time in the PTF? Where do I even start? I mean, I'll do two. I'll do two stories: one from the old one, one from the new one. I mean, I had a good That's one earlier. I was thinking about it. The old. One. Let me think about the old one. Um, there's a few. I can't really. Oh, okay. I'll tell an easy one. Easy one. So there was a guy, in, a guy named Altenberg back in the old unit. He used to be a um, a corpsman, first platoon corpsman back in the old PTF. Back when we had, I think about it was still two platoons, I think it was back then. Anyway, we were good guys. He, we screwed around a lot, joked around a lot. I somehow got his address and shipped him over Amazon a bottle of bleach. <laughs> I shipped him a bottle of bleach. It, it, was, back, it was back in 2016, 2017. To where it was, you tell people, oh, drink bleach or whatever the hell or all that kind of stuff like that, you know. You, or people would threaten to commit suicide with bleach because it was a funny thing or whatever. So as the joke on that, we always joked around about stuff like that. I, I shipped him a whole bottle of bleach. I think it was about a gallon um, bottle of bleach. And his, he told me his mom was so confused about why people are sending you bleach online. And like two <laughs> days later, he's like, yeah, well, I was using the bleach now. I'm like, well, that's, that's fine, sure. If she needs the bleach, she needs the bleach. Save the guys five bucks or something like that for a funny laugh. So that was fantastic. There, I have a few other stories with Altenberg, but um, I can't really tell a few because uh, some people <laughs> did some actions in them that might not be uh, 
good in the limelight. But yeah. for the new one, yeah. A really funny story. I'll tell you offline. But um, the new one, <laughs> the new one. Oh, what's some good stories in this one? Oh, tough choice. Tough choice. Because okay. you've kind of been everywhere. So I, I, mean, I have been everywhere. I, yeah. I, I hate to blow my own horn. I have been everywhere. Um, as I said earlier, I started as a squad leader when we first started up again. Then I went to platoon. Then I went to company. My drinking got me in trouble at company, so I'm back down here doing my thing. <laughs> FTL right now, as I said, but it, it hasn't been a problem. Everybody still respects me. I still where I was. Nobody in this current iteration trips up over billet or rank. And that's a fantastic thing. Cunning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Chill out there, you know, smoker. <laughs> but still, you know, I'm still leading the S7 division. I'm doing all these things. It's not about rank and billet that much anymore. It's about respect and what you know and what you can do, which is great because people yeah. aren't getting hung up on that anymore. It's not like, oh, you don't know anything. You're a, you're a corporal. You're a lance corporal because people are smarter than that. People know better than that now. It's not 2016, 2017 where people looked at rank and didn't know the backstory, didn't have that experience in the armor community to understand that rank and mostly billet sometimes don't even matter because – Everything can be earned, but experience is really, you know, learned instead of earned, you know. So where was I at? Oh, yeah, the story. Um, It's a good question. Um, <laughs> Okay, I'll do one. I'll do one. I'll highlight the PSOs again. So after we did our first um class for the PSOs, we brought them out, and this was the class game campaign. I think it was our second or third campaign, and we had them as well. What? Go ahead. Who was in this class? Um, um, let me look that up. This first class, I know I was inducted because I had created the entire thing. Um, Wade also is technically a PSO, even though he likes not to do it because he's kind of the commander. But um, the first class was um actually I think somebody posted a few of the guys today, and it's not Kozak. all of them. Yeah, Kozak was there. Cooks, Flores, Shepard, um, Palulo. There was a few more. Let me let me find this. Yeah, McAllister was there. I know that it's been such a long time. Um, uh, let's have see. the original. You can keep this back in now. I have the original picture of the original PSO class on my desktop. Actually, I've had it since we actually did that class last year, and that's something people have forgotten. Oh, Gamble was in there too. I forgot about Yep, him. yep. That first class, I have everybody on the screen. I can almost pick them out sometimes, but they're all there. There was two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven guys. Eleven guys. Well, ten, not including me, but eleven guys. Because there's Wade on the far left side and Downs is in the background with the HMG on the boat. So I still have that on there. But yeah, there was 10 guys. That was a, anyway, anyway, back to the story I was talking about. You guys got me off track. Um, so the first operation was the story. Um, the story of the um, PSO's first operation. Anyway, so it was on Clafgan. And if anybody knows the Clafgan map, you'll know what I'm talking about. The western side of the map is that big um, section of canyons and valleys and stuff like that. We took a helo up that valley. We were going to go further up, but then the um, helo had a lock-on. So we landed early, and we spent the next hour or so trudging up and through the Clafcan Mountains. We um, spotted the SAM site, a bunch of guys with RPGs and SAMs. Um, we crept down and spotted some stuff. Really engaging. We crept back to a pickup point after that. It was about two, two and a half hours later. I got picked up by the helo about for a little bit further south, probably about two or three kilometers from the southwest end of the map. We got picked up by that helo, we were flying back to base, and then there was an enemy jet chasing us back to base. And that was hype. The best part about the first campaign of PSO is, uh, really good memory that ties into it, 
was that we were we are intended to be mainly reconnaissance. And the best part of that first campaign is the entire first campaign, the first four or five off the PSO, no matter what we did, we did not fire a shot the entire time. And that was just one of the best things I remember. That's the that's what we were made for, and I loved it. Yeah. Because, I mean, the whole purpose of the Paramount Special Operators is that you can, you know, go into somewhere and uh, take a good look at what's going on and try and not be seen and try and be as stealthy as possible. And it really is it's like a it's like a Metal Gear Solid game. Almost, where you're, yeah, it is. You're yeah. trying to stay away. Yeah. And even and a bonus story on top of that, the last operation of that PSO campaign in Clafgam. The um, we had these Clafgani militia meeting up with somebody from we didn't know where it ended up being Columbia, but they were meeting up with them. I had a team of I think two or three guys trying to get closer to the meeting site, so they had gone down about half a kilometer to a kilometer down into this little outskirts of this village. We're walking around in these little weed bushes that the Clafgani map has, and while they were in these bushes, they're getting ready to come back. A technical comes down the road and stops right in front of them, not five meters away. Everybody Man. was just absolutely floored, speechless, ready to drop targets at that moment, ready to break the entire no-shot thing in the entire operation. But eventually it moved on, and we, they got him back. It was fantastic. It was a great, like, really intense mission. And that's the best part of those not-engaging missions, is where you think it's boring. And sometimes it can be, you're just walking around for two hours. But when you yeah, get in situations sure. like that, when you get that deep in enemy territory, and you're that close to the enemy, you can just touch them, but you can't because you'll get surrounded and destroyed. It's really that intense. And there's no... There's no respawn button, you know. Oh, no, we can just no. we can just go to an older save. Yeah, that is the that can make or break the entire campaign. Yeah, for even yeah, conventional. For, for a while, there PSO operations you could reinsert for a while, but it was hard because the PSO yeah. you still had to find a way stealthily inside. So even when you could respawn and come back in, it was very hard. But after a few campaigns, we've changed the rule to where there's only it's a one life rule. So yeah. once you die, you can either leave the server or stay on if you're needed for um, planning. But that it's been a one life rule for a long time, and it makes everything just more meaningful. To where sure. sure you can go down, you can die, but you can't come back. You can make that choice, but it's, it's your choice to make if you're going to stay in the operation or not. If you're going to make your that life choice. is your life is incredibly important. Yes, in that, it is in that instance because if not, yeah. then your and, day's ruined. <laughs> and, and to compound that, to compound that one life rule, if you go down, you haven't communicated intelligence to somebody else. That intelligence is lost. So yeah. if, it's a total, if it's a total team kill of the PSOs, if every PSO is lost, there's no intelligence for the operation. Yeah. So it's really and that would be incredibly screwed up. <laughs> happened before. That, it has happened before at least two or three really? times. Yeah. Really? When so was I'm like t- the most recent time that's happened? Um, when was that last? We almost had it happen um, a few weeks ago back on the other campaign in um, Turkey. It almost happened. We managed to send a helicopter out to go pick up. Uh, I think it was McAllister. We picked up. Oh uh, yeah, the, yeah, I remember that. Did you remember that? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was McAllister. I think the last time that happening exactly was um, I think it was the Taiwanese. No, it was the China campaign. Because I'm pretty sure um someone from Platoon Command at the time had joined in and didn't quite understand the uh, mission parameters and had started a live firefight with a Chinese military unit and they were just packing a whole lot of heat. I think that was a total team cooperation, but those don't usually happen that very often. Usually you lose a few guys, you lose a team here and there, but yeah. lose doing a total team kill is very rare, despite how easy it is. If you really think about it for sure. Um, and just moving back to your responsibilities in the PTF and what you do, um, what responsibilities do you have specifically as a fire team leader? 
as a fire team leader, and for all fire team leaders, really, they are the guys between squad and their guys. So when the squad leader and the members of the unit, members of the squad, the middleman is the fire team leader. The fire team leader gets the stuff from the squad leader. The squad leader gets it from the platoon. Platoon gets it from company. So once yep. it's broken down all the way to the fire team, orders get very vague. Because company says, hey, go attack this at grid, whatever the, whatever the stuff, you know. And then platoon yep. will say, hey, go to this location, hit this. Platoon will then tell the squad leader, hey, go to this location, follow this route. By the time it's down there, depending on your communication, you might just get from your fire team leader, hey, we're headed out. Or the squad leader, hey, we're headed out. So the fire yeah. team leader has to really interpret orders, understand and pay a lot of attention to the map and what's going on in the operation. Because the guys believe the fire team leader know nothing. They're not listening to squad comms. They don't know what platoon comms are. They're standing around doing their job. They're holding security. They're doing whatever they're doing. So the fire team leader has to really expand upon the orders they're given and understand what's going on so that the guys beneath them are understanding what's going on. So it's our job, it's my job, to get orders from squad leader, from Phillips, say, Phillips saying, hey, we're going to go hit this objective, we're going to do this and that. So I tell my guys, hey, we're going to the objective, you guys have got to do this, this and that, we're going to do this, we're going to hold this section. They have to know what's going on. Because when you think about it, when when you go back down to just being a rifleman, you don't know anything, you don't hear anything, because you, you're not on those comms, you're not supposed to be. And that's the thing is, communication is really key at the fire team level, because you don't understand, it really goes up. You have three guys and a fire team leader. That fire team leader commands those three guys. If the fire team leader can't communicate to those three guys, you have three guys who are combat ineffective, essentially. Because they don't know what they're doing, they don't know where to go, they don't know who to shoot and what to do. And outside of the operations, it's about keeping communication, talking to them. Hey, how's it going? You know, you want to hang out and do this game, whatever the heck. Or, you know, you're going to be on for training. How's it going? You going on the LOA? Communicating. Because the squad leader will, you know, obviously send down to the fire team leaders, hey, check on your fire team, how are they doing? And, you know, make sure they're doing all right. Make sure they're going to show up to operations. Yeah. And while the the, the, the fire team leader role is very important, um, it's definitely not the most demanding role out there when it comes to command. Um, yeah, it's very true. Yeah. Would you say that it's the easiest out of all the different roles that you've taken? Or would you say that it's hmm. harder than something else? That's a good question because it really depends on what, that role is doing because as I've said, I've, I've done everything NCO role we have in the unit so far. And really I'd say fire team leader is kind of in the middle because of all you have to do with it. I'd say the easiest, it's kind of a hard pick because depending on what company is doing, company can be the easiest. You know, it depends on how the operation is structured. If the, if company has a lot of in, inserts into the operation, then it's a very demanding task because you have to do so much in the operation. But if your platoon leaders are good, your platoon sergeants are good, everything's set up right, company is really just gliding along to make sure everything's in order. Platoon leaders, platoon command, I think, really is the toughest spot because you're in the middle of everything. You have three squad leaders on you. You have either your platoon leader or platoon sergeant also asking you questions, making sure you're all right. And you have company. And you have your JTAG. So it's a, really, it's a lot of things at being at platoon level. Because you have almost four or five people you're talking to almost at the same time, depending on what's going on. And then squad leaders, they're a little lower than platoon because they don't have to deal with the JTAC and they'll got to deal with company. But they got their three FTL leaders, their three, three fire team leaders, and their other squad leaders. So that's still about five, six, seven guys. And then underneath that's fire team leaders. So I'd say platoon's the hardest, squad's right underneath it, and then fire team and company kind of bounces out depending on how the operation's going. 
it really depends on operation to operation basis because it does change. It does happen. Yeah. Uh, and I I was a fire team leader for a little bit at a one two. I was one two Charlie fire team leader for only a few weeks before I got picked up for uh, JTAC. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, I'll definitely say that it wasn't exactly the hardest role out there. Um, there was a lot that I had to learn for it, but once I learned it and I kind of understood the tactics behind it, it was definitely an easier role um, than something like a squad leader that I've done a few times in like uh, many ops. Yeah, of course. And even with FTLs, it's not always about just the tactics. Core tactics are very important. They really are. But it's more about showing your personality traits because I had to clear my throat. Sorry, because really you can't show a lot of things as a squad leader. You can as a fire simulator. Squad leaders can't run into battle head first and do all this kind of stuff. They need, they're a very important piece of the unit command structure and they can't do all these things. You don't always see the squad leader as a fire team member. So as a fire team leader, you got to be courageous. You got to be responsible. You got to be loyal to your guys. You got to make sure you're looking out for them. You got to do all these things that you learn in ISOLC for your guys because you are their that you are their highlight. You are their mentor because you are in command. They trust their lives essentially in your hands to command them and lead them properly. And that's 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 one of the bigger parts of fire team leading is being that person to lead them. It's on knowing everything you need to know and then doing it and showing it and being that, you know, light in the dark for your guys. For sure. And I was lucky enough to have really good leadership um white um she was on the podcast for a while um but i mean she was a great squad leader for me uh and she was moved up to the uh platoon sergeant role which is really great um and i'm still working with her now um as the first platoon jtac um and what white did that uh, was very interesting is that you know she would lead from the front and she would be there and she would be constantly checking in with everybody um, at the same time that the fire team leaders are checking in and making sure everybody knows exactly what's going on and pushing and getting stuff done. Um, so it was never really a question of, Oh, I need to send this up the chain from my fire team to my squad leader. It was more of, uh, I had two leaders that I could count on at one time, uh, which was pretty great. Um, but I, I have a couple questions. Um, one, uh, what was 2-1 doing last operation? You know, uh, what was y'all's uh, main objective and what did y'all end up doing? Right, so 2-1 last operation. really got to start with 2nd Platoon. 2nd Platoon was tasked with holding the west side of the island and holding that hill while 1st Platoon kind of moved down to the town and took out those, um, you know, cleared out no man's land. So 2-1... We moved in the we we stole we commandeered the Mark 19 Humvee from 2-3 and drove that to the hill that was down there the southeast hill um down near the racetrack and we laid I laid suppressive fire down with the Mark 19 on targets that I saw so we held that hill for a while 2-3 came and got their vehicle switched it out for the M2 Humvee and we kept holding that you know line of sight we held that down you know took out contacts communicated with 2-3 to understand what they were doing. And about midway through that, there was more contacts that came and was assaulting the airfield. So me and Stafford, the other guy in my um, fire team slash squad, he's kind of moving around. We're, we're figuring it out. But um, he was driving at the time. We, because Cook had asked um, Phillips for a fire team to go take care of the guys on the airfield. 
Well, I told Phillips because I was listening to it. And I told Phillips, we're a, we're a whole fire team on ourselves. Let me do it. I'll take the Humvee. We'll go take care of it. So Phillips and Cook agreed. We took the Humvee. Me and Stever took the Humvee and um, dragged the M2 up there all the way up there on the um, Humvee and took out contacts on the um, runway. Command was there at the uh, air base already. They were taking out contacts. I think McAllister was there too. I think it was. Must have respawned or something. And um, yeah, we pushed down the um, pushed westwards towards the airfield and figured out all those contacts are coming from across the river um, and sprinkling over and stuff like that and taking shots at the airfield from there. Cleared those guys out, pushed back south. By this time, two ones get ready to move down to town. So that's what we do. The first, the, the, the fire team that they had pushed in and started clearing some buildings. Me and Stafford had the Humvee on the road holding that lane, holding that street. And um, we got dinged by a rocket, so we lost the Humvee. And pretty much 2-1 kept on that west side the entire operation, mounted the hill that had the enemy um, command post, destroyed that, went through there, killed a bunch of guys on the hill. We almost got overran by a fire team or squad coming up the hill at us from a different angle, took care of that, and then after that we pushed west across the river and then held a um, big um, front line on the west side on the next island over to prevent people from passing over into the um, to get to the river to cross back over to where we were at. So pretty much we were just covering the west side of the operations area the entire time. A really fun operation. Did you all get to see uh, first platoon at all during that last stop? I didn't. A few a few of my guys might, but I really didn't. It was. It was. Uh, oh well, I told you what it was like. Yeah, I heard about it. Yeah. <laughs> I had a few uh, fun points. Go ahead, go ahead, Pearson. Go ahead. Unfortunately, uh, I crashed halfway through that operation. Not even halfway. Uh, very quickly into that operation, and my you have internet a tendency of crashing the wrong times. Yeah, I know, and it's really bad, uh, especially now that my chase hack. Yeah, because they're um, like, "Oh, you're almost calling airstrikes." Oh, Pearson's gone. Never mind. We're just gonna stare at the tank. I wonder if George yeah. just has like a Zeus option where he just right clicks. <laughs> good idea. Happen. But um, yeah, my internet cut out that entire night. Um, Dang. and it ended up coming back at about I want to say eleven thirty. So yeah. too no, little, too late. Play. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I heard good things about the operation. I heard those uh, a lot of fun. I just remembered that before I ended up, uh, unfortunately, uh, disconnecting from everything. That uh, there's a lot of a lot of armor, a lot of red air. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. I think uh, uh, Scarlet was telling me earlier. He, I think he killed about eight to thirteen tanks. Let's watch yeah. that. Yeah, I was able to take down, uh, I think, two uh, BTRs, which is... Or, I mean, did you uh, yeah. really do anything? Listen, my little <laughs> AT4, boom, it's gone. Honestly, to be Great. honest, you know, like me, I, I always like to brag about kills, as everyone knows, but like, I gotta say, taking out 13 tanks is a lot more significant than taking out 22 random ass infantry and then just running around the field. That's true. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It takes a lot of ammo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I was just running along with um with White and Shepard and we just kept on grabbing more AT4s at the uh, arsenal, then driving back down and giving them out to uh different squads and then driving right back to the uh the airfield and grabbing more and going back and uh it was a constant process of resupplying everybody because Dang. I mean Good. Good we thing I was running in the logistics platoon. Say what? That's a good thing to have was joining you in the logistics platoon. 
Oh God. Yeah. Um, but uh, <coughs> I love you, Havel. <laughs> okay. Lying's a sin. Okay. <laughs> a few but, fun um, things from the operation I did. Just to throw it in there real quick. Yeah. I made a 50 meter shot with a shotgun shell. Nice. The, the slug. The slugs. I'll, I'll tell you this, and this, this is a life hack for anybody who listens to the podcast. The shotgun slugs don't have a dead range with a stop existing. They just have a huge drop-off point. So you just got to learn the fucking learn the angle of drop for the shotgun slug, and you can make shots. Not too I far. I haven't even learned the angle of drop for the 40 mic mic yet. Uh, I mean. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll get used to that one. That one's easy peasy. Um, the other thing was, I was walking with Mullins across the um, bridge to head to the... Um, defensive line in the last part of the operation we found these two tanks that have been dealt with earlier by two three so i'm like i think they're still on so i check them out i forgot what i had i think i i don't think i had an rpg but i had some kind of at system and i shot at into both of these tanks and checked them so i want to make sure they were dead check the first one empty all ka go to the second one i'm like i try to get in the gun because i want to make sure the gun works so i get in the gun and i'm like i hear somebody inside the tank somebody's talking russian in this tank hop out Pulled the commander out, took a prisoner, took a tank commander prisoner. <laughs> Bandaged up, drag, up and dragged him all out to Mullins. Like, Mullins got you a present. Dropped off and walked away. That's hilarious. Uh, and those who don't know, Mullins is the platoon sergeant for second platoon. Yeah, that guy. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um. And just just moving into um, some other questions about um, you know stories in the PTF, um, but what's your favorite PTF moment? Oh, my favorite PTF moment. Hmm, kind of talked about this earlier. Not not my favorite one. I wouldn't say my favorite. The one that comes back to me most. Well, there's two. I'll do two. One from the old one from the new one. They're both do with media. The first one was in the old PTF. Um, I was still gunning at the time. I had recreated the um, Generation Kill speech from Sergeant Major What's-His-Face. I had done that at one of our um, desert operations, and it's uh, it's hiding on YouTube somewhere. But it's really funny, really funny time. 2017, me making that speech, editing the, for the Paramarines. It was hilarious. But um, this new one, this new one was um, early in the PTF... Um, Frost and I were doing a mini-op on um, Takistan. Wade was there, McAllister, a bunch of guys were there. They were playing the um, Blue Four, they were playing the Marines. And me and Frost were doing the Op Four. And I liked, back in the day, to play Op Four Commander, which was throw me in there as the Op Four guy, don't give me Zeus, and let me control the guys by sending you DMs on TeamSpeak. So that's what it is. Sent my guy up, went up on the hill, and um, me and him, me and Frost had a radio channel going on, talking back and forth. We were talking in accents. So I'm up there with a big sniper rifle shooting these guys, plinking at them, making them, you know, crap their pants. And, um, <laughs> never, never, never fails to kill me. Um, am I the only one in here now? Where'd you guys go? I, I, I'm still oh, here. My thing glitched out. Never mind. Ignore me. Um, so what it was, I was sitting there plinking at him, and he calls over to me in this accent, and I forget what he says to start out with, but I turn around. And it's an F-22 Raptor coming down at me, strafing near where I'm at. And I'm screaming his name in this freaking Indian accent. It's hilarious. <laughs> the, 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 clip, the clip he's got 
kills me every single time I watch it to this day. I've probably watched it at least a hundred times. I remember Rakish. Rakish, he was hilarious. <laughs> I love that video. Dude. Rakish, 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 what the fuck is that? Rakish, what the fuck is that? <laughs> 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 oh, no, <tomorrow> <laughs> oh my god, that video. Uh, even to this day, I'll put it. I have it on my my bookmarks tab. I'll pull it up every once in a while, every month or so. And I'll watch it and I'll laugh for a solid five minutes and go about my day. It's it's one of the funniest things I've done this this era of the PTF. It's just hilarious. Like taken out of context, it's still hilarious. But if you were there for the whole operation, it was just to die for. One of the best nights. And I wasn't even drunk that night. That's uh, the best part. Uh, that that mini up honestly wasn't really that good until that point. Dude, Wade honest. was yelling at you the whole time. Wade was on your ass. I was listening Wade to your guys' radio. screaming at me the whole time. It was <laughs> I was fucking listening, awful. I was listening to your guys' radio the whole time, and I'm like, oh my god, my couch is going to get booted out of the operation because Wade gets pissed off. It was funny. Like you <laughs> I didn't even I, I want to do it. anything leadership-wise. I just want to kill that, people by no, 240. That, that, reminds me, that reminds me again of another PTF one I love. I was, I was doing the exact same thing, but it was on... Um, was on a uh, what's the, what's the really foresty map with uh, Apex on it? Don't um, tip my tongue. It's the Apex map anyway. So Noah, to Noah, yes, yes, yes. They had oh this is, this is a fantastic operation to retell. So they're at I'm at Mike One. I got a bunch of guys on Mike One, the big thing near the crater, the volcano. Bunch of guys. They they're pushing up. They make really bad decisions. They're assaulting. I can see them. Whatever. So they're pushing into the compound. I'm moving around with my guy around the side. The helicopter comes in. I don't know what the helicopter was doing, what it was there for. I think it was reinserts. Comes down and lands right in front of the base and stays there. The pilot gets out of the helicopter for some reason. So I'm like, all right, whatever, I'll go for it. I'm already sneaking around with my guy. I got my guy going. I'm running around the side of the base, running around the side of this mountain. Get in the helicopter pilot seat. Pilot turns around and sees me. Here's the problem. The pilot's, oh, only, no. carry, the pilot's only carrying 9 millimeter. So it hits the shield, knocks me out, based truly on sheer impact. Does hardly any damage. I wake up five seconds later, take off in the helicopter, turn, <laughs> turn it around, rocket strafe the base, and fly away. Man. It, it extended the operation instead of having to go up to the northern airfield and clear me out again. So I land the helicopter. Now, this is a U.S. helicopter, so I have their comms now. So I'm sitting there, no Zeus, sitting in this helicopter listening to their comms. I have all their comms. Listening to them come at me, so I'm calling in. I'm I'm poking whoever was Zeusing with mortar with um with grid grid references for mortar strikes. He's calling them in, and I, I can hear how effective they are over the radio communication. So I keep improving how accurate they are. So he tells me, <laughs> "No, you're on cooldown now. You're getting too good at this." So I'm on this I'm on this cooldown for these mortars. So I'm like, "All right, screw it. I'm gonna go out there and finish them off." Sneak my guy out. They're about half a kilometer away up in the uh, woods near this small little, this field full of crops. See through the field full of crops. Hold on, let me take a sip. <sighs> See through the field of crops. Some guy spots me. I duel it out with him. They know where I'm at. I still sneak through the crops because it's tall crops. You can't really see anybody. Come around them. Knock out two to three of them. And I, th I don't know who got me. Somebody got me finally at the very end. But I knocked out about four or five guys just by sneaking around with a single guy. And that, that's the fun part, is playing as a nose-use op four commander, is that you can really, if you you can really exploit a lot of things once you know what to find and exploit. Like enemy comms. Yeah. Having something of theirs to find the communications. As soon as you have that, game's over. Because you know exactly what they are, what they're doing. 
as long as you can have it on you or have that for a long enough period of time, it's game. And that's what it was. I had them pinned down for so long with those mortars. It was just, it was just a blast to listen to the mortars rain down and hear over comms them freaking out because the mortars were hitting right where they were at. I'm sure it's even more fun to hop on there. I, with, I was uh, there with too, Ryan. If if I remember correctly, at one point you had snuck up behind us because we had dug a big line of trenches. Yep, that's what it was. And there, and we had a big vehicle trench mm-hmm. that had a yeah. Hey, uh, and you fired, yeah, you fired an RPG at a Humvee with a Mark 19 in it, <laughs> and I happened to be the gun of it. So I saw the RPG come right over my head, turn around the Mark 19, just start laying down as much 40 mic mic as I can. And then <laughs> if fucking Harris just starts panicking and starts spraying his 240 over there. And I was just fine. I was just fine. Those fucking, I think those Mark 19 shots detonated before they got to me because of that tall grass. Or they detonated around me and the fucking the crops around me took up all the shrapnel. I'm not sure what it was. But I, I remember that. I was sitting there. There was a tree, and there was all that foliage right there, and I know I was getting shot at the whole time. Oh, yeah. Fun uh, the times. fucking amazing thing was, like, as it, like after we finished shooting, Harris looks up to me and goes, were you recording that? <laughs> <laughs> and, I, I, and I was. I was recording that, and I might still have that clip. That's something to really highlight, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, is that how... Despite how fantastic the regular operations are, they're really good, really structured, really set up, really... Lots of guys there makes it a whole lot better. If you can find a really good mini-operation, set up by someone who really knows how to Zeus and set up an operation, mini-ops are some of the funnest experiences you'll have in the PTF, just based on things that'll happen. Because more stuff can hand them rapidly in a mini-op than will happen in a regular operation. And most of the time, it's funny. Most of the time, it's fun. Yeah. And people like Harris, especially. Harris is fantastic at mini-ops. Oh, yeah. Even and I, white I'm not just, too. yeah, I'm not just sucking Harris's cock right now, uh, because he's the NCOSC of uh, S6 and my boss. <laughs> you're, you're definitely cradling the balls right now, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, he does make some really great, um, some really great uh, mini ops, and White does too. Um, and just like, there's a few people that make fantastic mini ops. And I'll go to every single one of them I can make because yeah. I've never had it not be fun. Yeah. One of the the one the, the past few I've hosted, I've had this idea. I listened to this I listened to this book series. It's really sci fi, really awesome. But it was a savages concept, really advanced tech guys. So I got I made this custom set of people in Arma Three in the Eden Editor. Full masks, full black masks, Russian style stuff. And how I'd spawn them in during the mini operations was you guys would be going in there and doing all your thing. I would drop down a line of smokes, pop a mortar shell so it would go off like an impact, and I would spawn the guys behind that smoke as if it was like a shot drop, like a drop pod kind of thing. Yeah. And that was my like immersion-making way of reinserting contacts to your area, was these guys were just inserted hot from some cannon somewhere to attack you guys. <laughs> And that's what yeah. I love was I could do that, and people didn't really pick on pick up on it that well, but it was something that I knew was happening, to where I knew I wasn't just spawning guys right in front of them for no reason. The new yeah. was coming because the smoke started for five seconds, smoke billowed up, made big smoke plumes, whatever. You heard the explosion, I deleted the smokes, and then you saw the guys come out of the smoke. So if you were thinking for any amount of time while looking at that, you realize it was set up in a way to make the reinforcements feel a certain kind of way. Yeah. 
and that's the best thing about Minneapolis. Is people like people like me, people like White and Harris, find ways to innovate during Minneapolis. Find ways to make things more enjoyable. Definitely. Like White's latest Minneapolis, he found a frigate for me to play with. It had a hundred twenty hundred. Oh no! Big big cannon, really big cannon yeah. on it. A Sam big system and a yep Sam system, a Centurion cannon on it. You can one man that boat. It'll be fantastic. It's just a blast. I remember, I remember driving past you on the boat, and I was Somebody... wanting so bad <laughs> to put some Mark <laughs> Air fourteen shots on you. The worst part Boy, was well. the worst part was that you probably you were you were there. Somebody yeah. hit their no the helicopter the the Seahawk they had flying for Mag thirty six the one they were flying tried yeah. to land on the back and shot it into space. No. Yeah, you, oh, you should remember that. Yeah, it threw it flew into the air. I had to leave early. So. Oh no! It, it, yeah. as, soon as, as soon as I landed, it jinked out and like shot right into the sky. Yeah. So disappointed. Yeah. No, it was but um, it was, and uh, I, I have a question for you too, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, so when when is the next mini op going to be? Because you were talking about doing another amphibious mini op. <sighs> that's a that's and a, then uh, you're right. That was about right. two months ago. You're really right. And for backstory on this, what Pearson just mentioned, I wanted to bring that. Fr- I wanted to play the frigate more, so I had yeah. started a mini op on United Surrounding, and we'd mm-hmm. done a bunch of amphibious stuff on it. And so at at some point during the end, I'd said, "Oh yeah, there's contacts here. We'll come back to it next time." And it's been however long Pearson said since I did that, like two months ish. That's true. I need to find a good day for that. I think- <laughs> oh goodness, what day did I do that on? What day did I do that on? I think a Wednesday. Wednesday? Maybe. I think I'm free to do it next Wednesday, yeah. I will set that up. Yeah, I, I missed that. That I completely forgot about it. But yeah, I want to do that again. That was so much fun doing the... And the boat. The frigate is just so much fun. Finding the right yeah, range to fire those big HE shells. Just beautiful. Definitely. Alright, well, I have one more question to give you, Ryan. Oh, just um, one more? Come on. I know, I know. <laughs> but, um... And this is this is the big question. I asked everybody this question. Okay. Oh, I know. Are you sure that you know? I know you did some research coming up to this. Uh, I've listened to almost every single podcast. <laughs> the only one I skipped was Clark's because yeah. I I just didn't feel like that. I'm I'm not gonna say anything. I just I'll get back to it. <laughs> I will watch Clark. I will officially say I'll watch Clark's eventually. Okay. All I right. love you, Clark. All right. If you had to get your friend to join the PTF, what would you say? Now, that's an interesting question because I have a friend who I helped build his own PC and mm-hmm. he has Armor 3 installed and I have the PTF mod pack in his installs. Yes. So he could. Now, he's, not the kind of, he's, he's not the kind of guy who would be into Milsim. But if he was, what I would tell him to get into the PTF was watch these videos. We have videos online. Watch some of the stuff I've recorded. You know, watch this. See how much you enjoy it. See how much you'd love to be immersed into the action. Because really, that's what Milsim is all about. We are a Milsim unit. We are about simulating the military and being immersed in the operations. Pearson, I do that mic thing again, I swear to God. <laughs> anyway, it's about being immersed. If you're really into being immersed and you want to be in a Marine-style unit, the Paramarines is the place for you. There are other units out there that do Marines. Sure, that's fine. But every every week after the operations, everybody does a brief. Everybody who shows up goes to debrief and talks about what happened in the operation, what they have, what they liked, what they wanted to improve. Every week, we are looking to improve. I can guarantee you that. I can guarantee you that from every level. 
from squad to platoon to company, I've been there. I can guarantee you every single week we are trying to improve on every single level. There is a, there's no point at which someone says, oh, it doesn't matter, whatever, don't worry about it. Every week, everything is considered if it goes up that level. If it goes, if it's mentioned, it's talked about, and it's considered. If it's mentioned enough, if it's considered loud enough, it'll be taken care of. The PTF and those who are in here, all of us, care about each other's experiences, how everybody feels about the operations, and each other's enjoyment. If you want to be in a community like that, in a community that really cares about your enjoyment, your friendship, your, your camaraderie, and your time, the PTF is the place for you. I can guarantee that. I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, McAllister? Yes, uh, yeah, I agree. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, Ryan. Um, and thank you for hosting McAllister. Yeah. Uh, Good job. <laughs> <laughs> you know, full, full claps for McAllister. Good job. Yeah. Woo. All right. All right. So <laughs> thank you All so right, much for so joining fuck us, you guys. i'm doing the outro fuck you All oh right. my god here we go i gotta <laughs> cut that out too all right this has been the jump net with your host McAllister, co-host pearson and our special and i can't stress special enough guest ryan <laughs> Eat that, and this special. has been the jump net peace out bitches